Hello, prayer friend. Once again, thank you for listening in to our prayer cast from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the underchurched, uh, often unreached people. These podcasts are the ones that help you to develop footsteps with impact in your prayer life. We believe the scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. We also believe, just like Jesus did and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time. And so we believe in praying with impact in our ministry. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. We are confident that the Bible-based prayer principles that we teach never fail. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. Please thank you again for listening in. Download this and send it to your friends. We would appreciate if we recommend our prayer cast to your friends. Uh, we would also appreciate if you recommend our app, Afri Christ, to your friends. This app can be downloaded from the Apple App Store, and also the Google Play Store. It's the same app for both platforms. It's very well done, and it reaches out to people like you. Thank you once again, and may God bless you as you're listening. Thank you. Listeners, greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Sam Kawesa, your host today. Uh, in this episode today of the Africa Christ Prayer Ministries, we are going to try to unlock the power of what is known as the Lord's Prayer, found in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Jesus himself gave us these principles of prayer, and I call these principles because Jesus did not really give us a prayer per se, but principles of prayer with the directions that said to pray, pray like this. The first incident was in Matthew, where Jesus was teaching about various attitudes of life and motives uh, of doing things, such as when doing charitable work. He had said, uh, when you do something charitable, don't let your left arm know what the right arm is doing. In other words, there's no need to show off. And he was uh, teaching about ways to deal with uh, charitable work on a spiritual level. Then he taught on prayer, starting with the uh, instructions of what we now call the Lord's Prayer. Now, in the book of Luke, he gave the shorter version of what we call the Lord's Prayer again. This was, according to some, um, some uh, scholars, a year later in his ministry. One time his disciples saw him come from prayer where he had been in seclusion. And incidentally, they realized that there has to be a lot of power behind this man's uh, life because there is prayer in his life. And they realized that, you know what, he had just done all these miracles that had taken place earlier uh, in, in the weeks of, uh, prior to this. And they were wondering. So when they saw him come out of prayer, one of them, I believe it was Philip, he said, Lord, teach us to pray even as John told his disciples. And so this was really a rehash, like a teacher was teaching something in class. At the beginning, he gives you the full version of the whole thing and then towards the end of the class or at 
before exams, he gives you a shorter version or a summary of what he had done. That's why the version in Luke is a little shorter than the version in Matthew. But basically it's the same prayer and each one of them is original in its own form. But as you can see that the principles are the same and he followed the same um, line of thought. And so we shall read that. I shall read you actually both of them so you can see the difference. Now, finally, you will notice that both of these quotations do not have the verse that is normally seen in some um, translations, which is really known as a doxology. And that verse is, For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And the reason being that this is a doxology, and what a doxology is in, script, uh, or in uh, spiritual things is like a form of praise about God after a statement or after a verse or after a preaching. So this part is only in some versions which were added later on by the translators. And let me give you an example of what a doxology is. You have the main meat of the teaching and then at the end of it, this praise and worship of God. It basically came from the Jewish way of worship. And the best way to give you as an example is, I'll just use a funny thing. Say, for example, if you go to KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and you buy some chicken and you really eat it and you love it and you eat and you enjoy it, then at the end of your meal, you say, finger licking good. KFC can really fry some chicken. KFC, you're really, really good. It's a praise of KFC for the way they do their chicken. And so, this is basically the same thing. The Jewish people would praise the Lord, they would mention a scripture, and then at the end of it, they would sing a praise of the Lord. That's a doxology. It's a completion of what was initially stated. And it's usually a praise and a worship of God. That's why this doxology or this conclusion is not on in most of them. Because when the scholars were retranslating the Bible, they saw that in the older transcripts, this was missing. But then the, the pattern in which it appeared was similar to the um, Jewish way of worship. And so these translators, they realized that, wait a minute, this is really just an addition similar to the Jewish way of doing things. And so it's not necessarily wrong per se to say it because Jesus gave us the principles of prayer. So if you're in prayer and you say it, it is only a summation of what you have just done. It's just a conclusion of your prayer. But because Jesus gave us the principles of prayer, we see that this actually is not part of his original um, uh, instructions. In Luke 11.1, 1, the Bible tells us the, of the request made by these disciples, you know, to teach them to pray. You know, that's when they really observed the power that uh, he had experienced in his ministry. And they knew that this power must come from somewhere. And they wanted a part of it. They said, you know what, this man is doing a lot of things. And we see all these miracles taking place. And so he must be, it must be in prayer. That's when uh, Philip said, you know what? Teach us to pray also. We want to walk in this kind of, pro or in this kind of power. So now what we are going to do in, or, uh, in order to expound on this, I'm going to break this down in uh, various ways. We're going to have three parts. The first part talks about God and his domain. The mid part 
talks about his providence toward us. And then at the end of it, you see that uh, it's about our spiritual relationship with him or the way we relate to other people spiritually. And so you're going to see that the Lord's Prayer is broken down in those three parts. Another way we're going to look at it, we'll mention what Jesus said in the prayer itself. And then I'll give you the divine attribute of that statement. And then I'll show the relevance of what that part is to our lives. And then I'll show you the possible life application of that particular verse or statement of Jesus Christ in the Lord's Prayer. And so you'll enjoy it because uh, it's a very powerful way to look at the Word of God. Once you get the... um, intention of the word of God was, you are going to see the power behind it. In fact, I sometimes for me what I do, I may not uh, say the whole Lord's Prayer as it was, but I make the statement of one of those verses and then meditate upon it and see how I can apply it to my life for that day, for the week, or for the situation. That's how you see the power of the Lord. It's not necessarily in the completion of the whole prayer, but rather in the way you see or you look at what God meant or Jesus meant when he gave us those principles. They saw the power and the impact of his praying. And so they decided, you know what, we want some of this. So as we examine these instructions in prayer for a deeper spiritual sense, we'll see Jesus instructing them through seven petitions, actually, that can further be broken down in two through areas of focus. For those who download our blog or go to our blog, uh, uh, prayingwithimpact.com, these instructions are in there, you know, summarized for you. And the uh, table that I have in there is really very, very powerful and very good for you to look at or even as you listen to this podcast. So I would encourage you, if you are able to, to go to our blog and look it up, um, have it with you so that as we go through this, we shall go together across. Or you can print it up later or you can look at it later on and then again listen to the uh, podcast even as you go. So... What, what is this prayer? Let us you know, start reading it in the uh, shorter form of Luke. Remember the one in Luke is the one where the disciples say, teach us to pray. And it is the shorter version because it's really a rehash of what the Lord's original prayer was in Matthew 6, 5 through 13. I'm going to use the NIV because the doxology in this version is not there at the end of the um, Uh, Jesus' instructions and the language that they use is more uh, like the common language that we use so it's not like the King James Version kind of language so we can flow well but it's not necessary for any other reason other than those two and I'm going to read it from Luke verse 1 through verse 4 which will include also some explanations so here it goes Uh, Luke chapter 11 verse 1 through four. And this is the NIV version, like I said. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins 
as we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now you will notice that in some version they say dead or they say um, uh, sin or transgression. That's another uh, difference in translation. I'd rather use the word transgression because it's a, a transgression against God and against man. It kind of combines us being in debt with the Lord because every time we transgress against God or uh, against fellow man, it's like a debt we owe to the Lord and we need to repay it by our uh, repentance. And so I'll use the word transgression for that matter. And it's also a kind of a more modern way of looking at things, not necessarily changing though the meaning of what Jesus meant. Now let us go to read Matthew 6, 5 through 13. Now don't forget that this is the part that came first. This is earlier in Jesus' ministry. And he had been teaching about many things about prayer and how to behave and how to do certain things, which included like if you do a charitable work, do not uh, let your left arm know what the right arm is doing. In other words, don't brag about what you're doing, but the God who sees in secret, he himself will reward you for what you're doing. So now in Matthew 6, 5 through 13, in the NIV it says this, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing up in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on bubbling like pagans, for they think they will be hard because of the many of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is then how you should pray. He continues now to give the Lord's Prayer or the principles of the Lord's Prayer. So here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, now there we see the word debt used instead of sin or instead of transgression. But as I said earlier, it is the same thing. It gives the same meaning that Jesus wanted to do. Think of it like in the class, I gave you the example of the class, when at the very beginning of class, a teacher or a professor comes in, gives you the facts of this lesson or whatever it is, of this, a subject matter, and he goes deeper and deeper into things. But then towards the end of the term, before an examination or before he concludes, he comes back to the same subject matter, but this time it's shorter. He may use another word instead of what he used in the original. But as you can see, that the meaning stays the same. So now what we are seeing here is Jesus doing the same thing with the Lord's Prayer. But like I said, that um, we are going to look at this because these are like petitions, principles for petitions, and they are like seven petitions. The first block is God and his dominion. That's where we are concentrating. And then the next block is providential power of God towards us. And then the third block is our spiritual relationship with him and other people around us. We are going to see the first part, which is the first block. And it's about God. And this is going to involve 
basically three or four, uh, three verses. Okay, so our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now let's go back up. Our Father in heaven, what is the divine attribute of this? Basically, we are saying that our Father is in heaven. What's interesting, my mom, uh, in her old age, every time I talk to her, she says, let us pray. Because in her old age, she really doesn't can't go too much into prayer the way we knew it before. Instead, she just says the Lord's Prayer. But I like the way she says that very first line. See, many times we say, Our Father in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But you know how she says it in Luganda? It goes, Our Father is in heaven. In other words, there is no other Father but him. Our Father is in heaven. And then she continues with the prayer. And when I noticed that, I said, wow, this is a powerful way this woman leaves this verse. She says, our Father is in heaven. See, of course, her dad is died long ago. However, to her, she still has a father. And she says, our Father is in heaven. That's how she starts it. And it's just amazing. To me, that is so powerful. So in other words, even for us, when we say that verse, we can just camp right there. And when we say, our Father is in heaven, the divine attribute of this is that our Father is way above all situation. He's the source of our being. Our Father is in heaven. You know, whatever I need comes from heaven. Whatever I do goes towards heaven. Whoever I I please, Uh, is supposed to be in heaven. It is our Father. You think about it. When you're a child, your dad can do anything. If you get bullied at school, you say, I'll tell my dad. Now, the guy you're telling, you don't care how big or bad their father is. You don't care what position their father has. All you know is that I'll tell my dad. And so the thing is, your dad is able to do, is able to defend you. So when this prayer in this line we say, Our Father is in heaven, the divine attribute separates him from man, separates him from earth, separates him from flesh, separates him from everything that's human because he is in heaven, he is different. And so that's the divine attribute of our Father is in heaven, that very first line that Jesus gave us on the Lord's Prayer. That is powerful enough for you to overcome anything. In other words, you talk to this uh, devil, you talk to this situation, and you say, our Father is in heaven, he's going to deal with it. Our Father is in heaven, and he fights my battles. Our Father is in heaven, and he's the one who provides for me. Our Father is in heaven, and he's the one who heals me, because he is the one who created everything and everything exists because of him. Now, what's that relevance to us? He's our all-loving provider. He's our all-loving provider. He is trustworthy. He is compassionate. If I do something wrong, I can come to him and he will forgive me because he's very compassionate. He's trustworthy. If I ask him to do something or if he says he's going to do something, he will do it. So what? Our Father is in heaven. That's the very first line of the Lord's Prayer. And then, so what's the life application of this? To him we run for and have all our being. We run to him. We run to him for us to be, exist. Okay? 
you know, Psalm 91, if you look at Psalm 91, it says that they that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So just his shadow is enough, is enough to do anything and everything as far as our protection is concerned. They that abide in the secret place. Once you abide in, with, or in our Father who is in heaven, then nothing on earth shall um, shall bother you, shall scare you, shall worry you because you know that my Father is in heaven, okay? Then Jesus went on to say, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. That's the next uh, you know, line. What is the divine attribute of this? You know, when we say, Hallowed be your name, your name is separate. Your name is powerful. Your name is not just any name. It's the name of all names. It's El Shaddai. It's uh, Shalom. It's peace. It's everything that we want. There are so many names of God that um, we can use at different situations and different times. Say, for example, you know, he's Adonai, okay? Who is the master, the majestic Lord? He is our God of total authority. Hallowed be your name. Your name is different. You know, we also call him El, E-L, the strong one. He's more powerful than any false God that we can mention on earth. God will overcome all obstacles. We can depend on him. You know, he is Elohim, Israel. God, the God of Israel. When they would go to war, you know, when they would be mocking them, you are too few, you can't do this. They would just say, "Uh -uh -uh uh-uh-uh-uh. He is El Elohim. Israel, God of Israel. He is our God. He's the God of the valleys. He's the God of the mountains. So if you attack us from the valleys, we are, he is able to deal with you. If you attack us from the top on the mountains, he is the God of everything. The God of Israel is distinct and separate from all false gods of the world. Hallowed be your name, El Elyon, the God most high. He is the sovereign God in whom we can put our trust. And that's what that means. He has supremacy over all false gods. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The all-powerful one, the creator, Elohim. He is the all-powerful, the creator. God is the powerful creator of the universe. See, God knows all that he creates. The El means it's plural. It's like the God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't matter how, where you are. God, the Holy Spirit, he knows what to tell you. God, the Father, he's over everything. God, the Son, he is the healer. Those kind of things. So when you, look, when you hear the word El, that's what that means. He is the all-powerful one. Or another name is El Roy, the God who sees me. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. He is God, Elroy, R-O-I, the God who sees me. There are no circumstances in our lives that escape him. He is fatherly. He is aware and he cares. God knows us and all our troubles. You know, another name that we use very commonly is El Shaddai. Remember, we are dealing with Hallowed be your name and your kingdom come. He is the all-sufficient one. He is the God of the mountains, the God Almighty. God is all-sufficient. He's the source of all our blessings. There is nothing that you have done that is good that is separated from God's own self. 
You are nothing without him. I am nothing without him. Our problems are not too big for him to handle. Then there's this one. I like this one, you know, remember? He is Emmanuel. You know, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Why? Because you are Emmanuel. He is with us. When Jesus was being introduced by the angel, he is Emmanuel, God with us. And when you know that God is with you or with us, there is nothing, nothing that can be uh, can stop you from doing um, from doing what you want to do because he's with you. It doesn't matter where you are. You could be in the worst situation, whether it's political, whether it is sickness, whether it is a lack of whatever. God is Emmanuel. He's there with you. Jesus is God in our midst. You know, Emmanuel, he was introduced to us. He came and walked with them. He gave them this prayer. He's actually telling them, I am here with you. I am God. In him, all the fullness and the deity of of God dwells, but in a bodily form. Then there's God, Jehovah. Jehovah, you know, I am, I am. And when God says, I am, things happen. When uh, Moses was going to... uh, uh, to deliver the children of Israel from the Pharaoh, God, he asked him, what shall I tell him that you, who, you sent me? He just says, just tell him, I am. I am the one who is self-existent. I am, you know. He, 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 he's there all by himself. No one created him. Just tell him that. Tell the Pharaoh that. I am. You know, God never changes. He promises and he never fails when he promises, he does. When we are faithless, for him, he is faithful. So he is the I am. So when you're in a situation where you need something to happen, you just know that you are with the I am. When you are confronted with the most powerful people, whether in business, whether in uh, politics, whether it's in whatever situation, I don't care, you just say, I am to yourself. He is with me. He is here with me. That's what this verse is. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Because wherever he is, his kingdom is. And wherever his kingdom is, he is on the throne. That's the power in this statement in the Lord's Prayer. Then there's this one. You know, we meet this a lot, especially in our modern times, where we are in debt, where we can't have this, we can't afford this. But you know what? The Bible tells us that he's Jehovah Jireh. He's the one who provides. Remember when uh, Abraham was going to sacrifice his son. His son asked him, Isaac asked him, well, where uh, is, I see the fire, I see the wood, I see everything, I see the knife, but I do not see the animal to sacrifice. And Abraham told him, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. This man had so much faith that he said, I know whatever, however God is going to provide for this, it's going to turn out good. So he drew his sword and he was just about to cut, just about to lower it. And God said, told him, stop, stop. But one thing I want you to see in that area, that even Isaac had a lot of faith. Because this young man was put on to be the sacrifice. He knew the knife. He saw the knife. He saw the fire. But when his father told him, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide, the man said, okay, I'll go down. I don't care how. I don't know how. But it's going to happen. So there are two men of faith here, Isaac and his father. But you know, tell you the truth, I think Isaac was had more faith if there was such a thing. Because when they, you lay me down and you have the knife with you, 
there is no way I'm going to lay down father or not, daddy or not. But this man had so much faith that God would produce because somehow he knew that our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Once he mentioned Jehovah Jireh, the name of God for provision, Isaac knew it's done. He did not argue with him. So now let us look deeper into this. What's the relevance to us? His name is imbued with power and authority. You know, it accepts his sovereignty over the earth, over everything. It aligns your prayer with his will. He is all-powerful and all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to him. And so when you say, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, you know that he is imbued with the power and authority over your situation or your circumstance. Calling his name in prayer prepares our spirits for such a thing, prepares you for such a position so that you know the application in your situation, the application for life in this uh, 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 verse is that he is able. He is the one. He is sovereign. Everything depends on him. Okay? So that's, uh, let's go to the next line. Now, don't forget, these are the three concepts, and we are still dealing with the one about God himself in the Lord's Prayer. So here it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, that is powerful. Because remember when Jesus was being, um, went to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, and he went to pray, and Jesus prayed and said, God, if you are able to take this uh, cup away from me, I do not want to die in the flesh. I don't want to die. But then he said something. He said, not my will, but yours be done. This is the, the part in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus drew upon. It drew strength for him. It says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So always remember, when you read that part or when you're concentrating or meditating on that part, that Jesus used the same thing. I believe this is when the cross was overthrown, the pain of the cross, you know, the, the, the insults and all those things that they would do to him. This is when the, um, it was overcome, when he said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how powerful it is. So now... Our relevance today is accepting his sovereignty aligns you or your prayers with his spirit. Okay? So when you say that, you know, he is sovereign over my situation, let his will be done in my circumstances. When you say that, you are not unlike Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, your will be done not mine. So when his will, uh, not ours, is done, victory is certain. This is when the victory on the cross was won. Once Jesus said that, he quit praying, he went back to them, picked them up, and let, uh, basically said, let's go, guys. And um, lo and behold, there comes Judas to betray him. So now we are going to enter the third aspect of prayer, of the Lord's Prayer, which is about us. This is the verse that says, Give us this day our daily bread. What is that? You know, what is the divine attribute to that? See, the Lord provides for all our very needs. 
every existence and survival of everything on earth is dependent on him. The Bible says that his creation mourns, his creation uh, exists because of him and it rejoices because of him. Everything that exists, nothing that exists was not made by him and everything that exists was made by him. And so the divine attribute of that part is that give us this day our daily bread. Your very life, your very breath. Listen to this. This is how powerful this is. When you come and camp at that word over there, think of it this way. Let's say you're in a situation where you've done the worst thing you could ever do and you feel like you're dirty, you can't do this, you know, God will never forgive you. Remember one thing. When you wake up after you have done that thing and it's in the morning, in the air, there's 21% oxygen, 78% uh, nitrogen, and then the balance, the carbon monoxide and all the other trace uh, elements. Guess what? God gives you the same amount of oxygen as everybody else, 21%, so that you can exist, even yourself, to give you a chance to repent, to give you a chance to defend yourself, to give you a chance to get up and do. That's how precious this part is of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not just eating meat, eating food, eating bananas. No, it's about just your very existence. That's why he said that man shall not exist by bread alone. So even his very word, you can depend on it. You can feed on it. You could be in the worst situation. The relevance is that he has given us all things. When he created this earth, he put everything out there for us to exist. And actually, it says so in Second Peter verse one. I mean, Second Peter chapter one verse three, that he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And so, give us this day our daily bread. That's why the children of Israel, when he was giving them manna in the desert, he told them, "I want you to. Do, uh, I'm going to give it to you for just today. Don't keep anything for tomorrow. Tomorrow will have its own provision." So. He made sure that every day he gave them fresh manna. And this is what this where this verse comes for me is that give us this day, this day, not tomorrow. Give us this day, our daily bread, because he is able to provide for your daily needs today. I don't care what it is. Just believe it that he is able to provide for today. Give us this day our daily bread, Lord, even as you gave the children of Israel manna in the desert. Give us this day our daily bread, Lord, even as you provided Abraham with the sacrifice that he needed. So God is able to provide every single day, every single minute, because this verse, this principle that Jesus gave us is active. It is there now. It's not for tomorrow. It is for today. It is for now. Whatever your need is, whether it is healing, whatever it is, whether it's wisdom. Are you in school? God will give you the wisdom to survive. Are you feeling like, you know, the whole world is caving in on you? Just go to him. Because in Second Peter, verse 1, chapter 3, he says, He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And those are the two things we need. Life and godliness. Godliness being in the 
uh, our relationship with him and life being where we are on earth. He gives you 21% oxygen just like everybody else. In other words, there is a balance in everything that he has done for you, even as he has done for the next man, woman around you. So the life application is that he meets all our needs, spiritual and physical. So know that God is there for you to give you your daily bread. Take the bread out in the sense that don't think of just food to eat, but provision for existence. Okay, now let's go to the next part of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our wrongs as we forgive those who wrong us. And I'll finish up with this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is concerning our relationship with him and as well as with the people around us or with um, our neighbor. See, the divine attribute here shows that forgive us our wrongs, even as we forgive those who wrong us. He is merciful and expects us to be merciful as well. You know, God says that, remember when Jesus told those people that, hey, before you bring your uh, offering to me and you have oath against another, go first and settle with your brother, then bring your offering. In other words, your offering doesn't do anything for me. It's all about your relationship with me. And so I want you to go settle it with your brother and then you can bring your offering to me. You know, because we can't add to or take away from God. He told that to David. He told him that, hey, if I'm hungry, would I ask you for food? And don't forget, David was king. It's the man who destroyed uh, Goliath. But even for him, he told him, would I ask you for food if I was hungry? No. So these sacrifices that we bring to him, these offerings that we bring to him, these um, tithes that we bring to him, add nothing to God, take away nothing from God if we don't. So those are just relational issues God wants to settle with us in our dealing with him and other people around us. See, many people think that the tithe is everything. And he told that to the Pharisees one time. He says, you people, you tithe on even the smallest things and then you forget the weightier things of the law. In other words, your tithe don't add nothing to me. He told them at one time, you say that, oh, you say to your parents, in other words, you don't want to help your parents. And you say, well, uh, the money that I have, I was taking to the temple. He told them that, but you violated the laws of Moses in the fifth commandment. When he said that, honor your father and your mother. So you, you are not honoring your parents if you let them suffer and you're saying, oh, I'm taking this to church. It means nothing to God. This is where this verse comes in. He is merciful and he expects us to be merciful. He is loving. He expects us to be loving. He is respectful even to us. He expects us to be respectful. And guess what? God even honors us. Did you know that? God honors us because the things that he gave us to do, he lets us do. He does not come in and tell you, micromanage your life every day. No, because he honors that you are going to honor the word. You are going to honor the intelligence he gave you. You are going to honor the resources that he gave you, okay? So now the relevance to this is that um, he has forgiven us, and we need to forgive others. And forgiveness of others releases the power. The same power towards us that he releases when we ask for forgiveness is the same power we release to others when we forgive them. And so we are working in this area of power, 
uh, of forgiveness. There is power in forgiveness. You give, uh, forgive somebody else, love comes back. Respect comes back. Uh, uh, peace comes in. That's the power of forgiveness. Guess what? The same thing happens with us and God. And then, you know, we said what? Uh, lead us not into temptation. So what does that mean? It means that God has a plan for every individual, all of us. So I want you to understand this. Remember in Jeremiah 29, 11, my favorite verse, it says that I have a plan for you and the plan is for good and not for evil. The plan to help you succeed and prosper. Okay, now when we forgive others, when we are not led into temptation, when we say lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. In other words, deliver me from the path of evil and put me in the path of your plan even as you say in Jeremiah 29:11 that you do have a plan for me and the plan is for good and not for evil. So Lord, lead us lead me not into temptation but rather lead me Hold me so that you deliver me from the evil plans of the devil and let me land in the great plan of Jeremiah 29, 11, which you said you have for me. So when you look at these uh, last verses, which says, forgive us our wrongs, even as we forgive those who wrong us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It means that there's no more condemnation. Forgive us our wrongs. And so when you forgive somebody else, even as God has forgiven us, you are entering into the realm of Romans 8.1. What does it say? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, not only are we not receiving condemnation from the Lord for the things that we have repented for, but when you forgive somebody else, then you also, there is no condemnation of that person for the things they may have done against you. So you are fulfilling scripture of Romans 8.1. Why? Because in the Lord's Prayer, you are in the area of forgive us our wrongs, even as we forgive those who who wrong us. So that's the power of that verse. God's will is perfect for us. And he makes no errors. That's the life application. His will lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Why? Because once we are in his plan of Jeremiah 29, 11, guess what? We are in his perfect will. And he makes no error. His highway constructed on Jeremiah 29, 11, takes you to the right city, to the right workplace, to the right uh, uh, spouse, to the right everything. He has a plan for you. Get on the highway called Jeremiah 29.11. Don't get off until you get on 29.11. The exit is on 29.11, okay? That is where lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the best GPS you could ever get for your travel with the Lord that he has a plan for you. Let the GPS recalculate, the spiritual GPS recalculate your um, destination when you have done wrong. Just remember, when you have failed, when you feel like you are nothing, when you feel like you can't make it, when you think you have reached the end of your rope, just remember Jeremiah 29, 11, the plans he has for you. That's the best GPS you could ever have. He will put you back. What does GPS mean? God's uh, perfect spiritual direction. 
okay? He will take you to the right place. Just go back to him because now there's no more condemnation because you are in Christ Jesus as it says in Romans 8.1. This is the power of the of the uh, Lord's Prayer. So let us read it one more time and finish it up, okay? Our Father in heaven, He's the source of, of our very being, okay? He is an all-loving Father. He is trustworthy. He is compassionate. To Him we run for everything and in everything, as it says in Psalms 91. Hallowed be your name and your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He is holy and sovereign. He is over all creation, okay? He is all-powerful with all authority in earth and in heaven. His name is imbued with power and authority. And his, um, accepting his uh, sovereignty aligns my prayer with his will. So now I know that calling on his name prepares my spirit. And when his will, not mine, is done, victory is certain. Give us this day our daily bread. God provides for our very existence. He provides for everything that we need, from the air we breathe, the food we eat, from the strength that we need to get up out of bed, whatever it is. He provides for every one of our needs for existence and survival. Why? Because he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness according to Second uh, Peter 1.3. And he meets all our needs, spiritual and physical. Okay? So God, forgive us for our wrongs, even as we forgive those who wrong us. He is all-powerful and merciful. He expects us to be the same to others as well. You know, we are supposed to be forgiving others so that we can release that power towards us, okay? Because why? There's now no condemnation because we are in Christ Jesus our Lord, according to Romans 8.1. And finally it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He protects us and leads us away from unrighteousness. He, why? Because he has a plan for us, for every individual, according to Jeremiah 29.11. God's will is perfect and makes no errors. His highway leads to the right place. Okay? So now we have gone through the uh, uh, whole uh, Lord's Prayer in a different way than you probably have, it, have ever seen it. I admonish you to go on our blog website and download the chart that I told you and read what I have written on there and you will see the power of the Lord's Prayer coming live into your own very life. Amen? So now we are going to pray with impact based on our Father who art in heaven. In fact, I'm going to do it the same way that we do it in, we've done it for uh, gazillions of years, so to speak. Even though some people, I do realize, they say, oh, that's not a prayer, that's this. But now I've shown you what it is, that these are principles of prayer. Now I'm going to use it as a prayer. So that you don't feel like you lost out for having learned it that way. As a matter of fact, it's probably the best way to lead you into other areas of prayer. So we're going to say this and then we'll conclude. What else can you say after the word of God? Nothing. It's all powerful. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
Forgive us our wrongs as we forgive those who wrong us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Father, we have prayed this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. He is the one who gave us these principles of prayer. And Father, I pray for my friends out there who have listened to this podcast, that you will reward them by understanding this the spiritual power behind your prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, the principles behind them. Because principles for praying mean that those things get ingrained in our being, in our way of life. I thank you, Father, for these revelations, and I pray for my brothers and sisters out there, or anyone who listens and takes it in, that you will show yourself strong in their lives, that they will realize that Jesus knew when he was, what he was talking about when he gave us the Lord's Prayer. We thank you for those disciples, that disciple who asked, Lord, teach us to pray, even as John told his disciples. Thank you, Father. Be glorified now and forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, my friends, we'll see you on the next episode. And I hope this has blessed you as it has blessed me just going through it and researching through it and the different scriptures. May the name of the Lord be glorified in your life. Amen. Amen.